Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Black now, 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Trying to get you to retirement. Trying to get you excited and interested in stocks and investing and retirement issues. Let's bring on Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. He does a lovely job of putting together um, regular pieces as well as contributing to Briefing.com on a inconsistent, well, not an inconsistent basis. I guess you're doing it every day and every Friday, right? Uh, that's right. That's right, Rob. I've been doing it uh, every day for about 20 years now <laughs> and uh, do uh, publish a, uh, a broader uh, big picture piece uh, every Friday. So what are we looking at today? It seems to me that we've been in FedWatch for the better part of, I guess, two or three months, maybe even bigger than that, but we seem to be hyper-focused right now. Uh, that's, that's right. I mean, that's, that's pretty much the name of the game, um, certainly this week, but uh, over you know recent weeks and months, as, you, as you've suggested, is, is it's not even just the concentration on what the Fed will do, but... Really, you know what the ECB will do, what the Bank of Japan will do, um, and you know we're going to get uh, policy decisions out of both the Bank of Japan and um, and the Federal Reserve. So, um, you know, the Bank of Japan will be first up, and there's a lot of uh, chatter out there that would suggest that it's the more uh, impactful meeting uh, this week, uh, only because. The Fed funds user market is pretty much um, banking on the Fed doing nothing. Um, so a um, lot of uncertainty surrounding that Bank of Japan meeting and what it could ultimately mean for government bond markets around the world. So the Japanese have what is referred to as negative interest rates, and maybe they go even more negative. To me, I'm just... That's such a new... Con- it's not a, such a it's, a... it's a radical concept, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. What do negative interest rates imply to you? Um, they imply that, uh, to me, that one, that it's a failed concept, uh, and two, that uh, policymakers, the ones who have the ability to, you know, to pull those levers, really have a lousy outlook for what, uh, for what you know, their economic potential is. Right? Um, they're not uh, all that optimistic if they're taking rates even further into negative territory and. You know, and I think uh, I really hope that the Bank of Japan does not go further down that rabbit hole. Uh, quite honestly, I mean, I think we've seen uh, a lot of um, they got a counterintuitive response in the yen following their move to negative interest rates in in, uh, in January that uh, has been counterproductive because it has you know helped 
uh, tamp down inflation uh, in Japan uh, with the stronger yen, and so, uh, and it's also impeded the you know the profitability of the Japanese banking sector, and so doing more of the same um, and expecting a different outcome. I think someone said that that was the definition of insanity. And uh, I think the Bank of Japan, unfortunately, is at risk of, of looking insane here. But uh, we hope that uh, maybe they have some sound decision-making and avoid, uh, you know, moving further into negative territory with their interest rates. So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the basic idea that monetary policy has done everything that it can? Banks have done They've loaded the bazooka, they've shot the bazooka, they've reloaded the bazooka, they've shot the bazooka. Isn't it up to our politicians now to come up with some job creation ideas, maybe some tax relief, maybe some tax increases? I'm not sure, but isn't the Federal Reserve kind of played out? Right. Well, you know, that is, uh, that's increasing in the market narrative these days is that, you know, it's time for, you know, uh, politicians to, to step up and do their part to help, you know, drive, you know, stronger economic growth uh, with, you know, fiscal stimulus. Um, you know, part of the problem, though, is that uh, a lot of the countries that we're talking about are already, in, you know, highly indebted. And so if you come out with some really, you know, aggressive fiscal stimulus plans, you know, how do you, how do you pay for them, you know, and, and how do you avoid, you know, interest rates, um, you know, moving higher on the introduction of, of further fiscal stimulus plans that kind of would then backfire, um, it's a really just it's a really tough and difficult period here right now. But you know you have to at least you know concede to the Federal Reserve that it has a mandate. It's legally obligated to follow its mandate. You know, uh, on you know a law that was established by Congress, right, to promote maximum employment and, and price stability. So in the absence of of any you know true help on the fiscal side of the equation, um, you know monetary policy looks like it's you know, really gone off the rails, um, but you know, the Federal Reserve, in some respects, is really abiding by the law that it's you know has to work under. But um, but when you look at the you know the outcome of it uh, thus far, where you still see you know subpar levels of growth, where you fail to see inflation really picking up in the manner that the Federal Reserve would like to see, you know, it does create this um, you know deep-seated sense that monetary policy has hit its limits uh, and that doing more at this point, uh, you know, really isn't going to accomplish that much. So you might as well let what you've done so far continue to play itself out and hopefully see the introduction of new players, perhaps, um, you know, institute policies that would help promote stronger economic growth so that you have a nice you know, maybe some joint firepower there on both the monetary and fiscal policy side. But but there's no no good sense right now that, you know, fiscal stimulus will really do the trick either. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's a big waiting game is all it is. But I think we're, we've waited long enough and we haven't seen really uh, any strong outcome related to this aggressive monetary policy action. I guess I'm going to ask a crystal ball question, which I try not to do, but I saw today that U.S. companies have something like $2.5 trillion of cash overseas waiting to be repatriated. Um, Maybe that's our fiscal stimulus. Maybe Congress gets together and says, we'll give you a lower tax rate, but you have to give us something in the process as well. Sure. You know, they'll give you more share buybacks, right? (laughs) I mean... I mean, will they will they create more jobs with the cash that they bring overseas? You know, maybe. 
right? Um, again, it, it's so hard to predict. You just don't know. Um, I think uh, we've tried to go down that road before, um, and I don't think it had as, as strong of an outcome as, as people would have liked. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of cash overseas. But, of course, you know, these U.S. companies also have some pretty good-sized operations overseas. So even though if you get a tax holiday or a tax cut on repatriated profits, I mean, they're not going to bring back all $2.5 trillion. You know, they're using that also to help support their overseas operations. But, um, but there's potential there. But I think ultimately it probably just results more in uh, some added stimulus for the stock market because they'll have more cash at their disposal to, to continue to buy back stock in, in large amounts. With that said, I own stock, and I feel wealthier when stocks do buybacks and their shares go up, and I do tend to go, well... 401k is looking great, so I will spend a little extra on vacation. So psychologically, it makes me feel feel wealthier, and I do spend more with um, the higher share price. So I kind of like it, but I know that it doesn't have you know a real tangible necessarily as much as it does psychological for a lot. Um, anything else that you're working on right now that we should be uh, looking into finding important other than interest rates? Well, it's kind of you know along the lines of almost what you were just talking about, Rob. I think I'm going to be looking at really the the emphasis that the you know the Fed's monetary policy you know when Bernanke started things off really with driving this concept of a wealth effect uh, leading to stronger levels of economic growth and you know again it's part of the the failed aspect of monetary policy because you know at the end of the day um, I think a little bit over 50 percent of U.S. households actually own stock. So those of us who do and, you know, see their 401Ks going up and feel better about spending because of those rising values, that ultimately means nothing for a good portion of, of the United States. And I think that that contributes to why we continue to see some subpar levels of economic growth because the policy itself was only targeted really at, you know, half of U.S. households. But aren't we seeing statistics that say it was a good year last year for middle income, lower income, i.e. people that may not own stocks? Uh, maybe well, because the higher minimum wages. Am I stretching to feel better about myself, or am I stretching? No, I, you know that, and that that was a nice thing to see, right? Household median household income up five point two percent in two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's really that is what you want to see, right? Um, that should ultimately translate into higher levels of consumer spending, which lead to stronger levels of, of economic growth. My point was simply that you know we're you know seven years into this now, and you're maybe just starting to see some green shoots of of optimism relates to the um, potential boost from higher levels of income on the, on the U.S. economy, but it's really taking a long time to unfold. But And I think that the idea of this wealth effect, though, has just been kind of misplaced uh, as a directive for the monetary policy. So, um, But, you know, to the extent that you can promote policies that lead to stronger levels of employment, higher wages, and the like, you know, that should translate into stronger levels of economic growth. But just simply targeting, you know, having a policy that, you know, helps drive up stock prices in an artificial manner, that's good for some, but it's certainly not good for all. And I think that's been ultimately reflected in the GDP numbers we've seen for the last seven years. Anything else out there that you're uh, taking an eyeball at? Uh, Maybe the elections? Well, yeah, keeping a close eye on that. It's interesting because, you know, you're seeing the polling numbers uh, start to upset the... uh, uh, the consent, conventional wisdom, you know, that that it w- was prevailing coming out of those um, nominating conventions, and so it would appear as if Mr. Trump has made some strides as, as it relates to these polling numbers. But I, I think it just underscores uh, that uh, what we saw coming, you know, in front of the Brexit vote 
uh, the, you're going to see a lot of volatility tied to each passing poll the closer we get to the election. And I think it's going to create a lot of reservations on the part of businesses and their willingness to invest in new, new, uh, new activities and probably lead to some choppiness within the stock market as we, uh, as we draw closer to that uh, first Tuesday in November. You're the best. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. I start my day every day uh, by clicking on a link in my email to his opening um, bell comments. So good stuff. Page one. You can find more at Briefing.com. That's Briefing.com. Cable news. Noisy. Boring. Out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.